You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's Erev Shabbos Kodesh, this must be Rishchod Araisa. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Shabbos Tovshin Bebez. Next week, Rav Yosef Gavriel Bechafer and I will have our last podcast of Tovshin Bebez. Uh, but we're already deep into season six. Uh, we obviously have to talk about the Yom Adin, and we will. I think Rabbi Yosef and I agree towards the end of uh, today's recording. Uh, but let's start with uh, highlighting Rabbi Yosef Gavriel Bechafer, the Goyen of English writing and putting things in succinct, understandable fashion with a mini- minimum of of uh, flourish, but clearly with uh, an understanding and getting to the point, Rabbi Yosef Gabriel Bechafer has authored a wonderful portrait for Jewish action of one of the things that we. Well, how do you know it's wonderful? You haven't read it yet. You can't say wonderful if you haven't read it yet. <laughs> you have to, you know, it's almost Yemadin. And Emes is Don't say it's wonderful. Say it's there. Okay. You know, it's a wonder that people are still coming to you <laughs> to speak about Rachaim Kanievsky when I know what you thought about Rachaim Kanievsky. And um I, I and maybe it's because someone like I you approach would... them. I asked them to write the article. Yeah. That's true for a little bit. No, but I wanted to own the conversation. You wanted to own the conversation about Rachaim. Yes. Because I wanted made... to make sure that not get talking about his wife's sin, but to talk about his uh goodness and his cast. All right, I agree with you. Look, I, you know, again, I, it's the truth is, why didn't I read it? I have personal reasons which aren't relevant, but it's Shtikov Achlemeiser. I mean, I love the man and I loved everything that he hey, said. You say personal reasons, it sounds like you have a vendetta against me. So let's, it's not <laughs> personal reasons, it's well, reasons of tier, tier, tier though. Yeah, I have various tears that have stopped me from taking the time to read it. But I have my own, like I said, I love Rav Chaim's Osvarim, and I use them, and I appreciate them. And to me, I have always been his champion throughout. Anybody who listens to this program knows that. Um, but I'm happy that the English-speaking public uh, that picks up Jewish action, either for free or by subscription, is going to read again about this terrible, the Aveda, of of not having someone like Rav Chaim and how irreplaceable he is. Um, and look, I I, I I appreciate your your strategy of you know of beating them to the punch. And I know that it's already gotten this. I know it to be true that you've already gotten some nice reviews about it. So one thing we know that many people find out about Bechoffer from Riska as opposed to your blog. So therefore, I'm telling people check it out. It's a it's it's probably worthwhile. And when we make when we take stock of this year of what has occurred, um, you know, this year in review type of mentality, I, I think it is important to realize that how we're living in that world uh, uh, without Rav Chaim Kanievsky as a Kratzadik And it's important to know uh, what he contributed. By the way, those that are want to get a a decent uh, understanding of uh, of Prusbol and Shmitas Ksofim. Uh, there's a very good way to start. You still have some time. Uh, is to learn uh, the Rambam in the Hoshmita Vyoivo with the beer, of course, of Rechayim, who explains beautifully in a lucid manner uh, the Shitas Rishayim in a very Gishmaka way, especially if you want to understand what exact, what sort of halvos actually need 
are, are, are subject to Hashemotot Tzav and what aren't. That to me would be a wonderful tribute as well uh, as this Shemitah year ends uh, to take some time to understand what it is you're doing with your Prusbal, what you're signing, what your Chiyuvim are. Uh, and to do it with the schus of Rav Chaim's Hasbara in the Rambam, I think would be a was agreed that ain't uh, That's for sure, ain't right now. Um, and yeah, Baruch Hashem, there is, but there is a wealth of material to to mine from his from his sefer, and uh, and to be inspired, as you say, by his goyness. Um, you yourself are sort of like a, a Rav Chaim in miniature in some ways, and I used to jokingly refer to you as a Saratayra, but in terms of your merits, in terms of finishing and making sure that you stick to that schedule of Lima Dateira, I think all of us can can take a lesson from Rav Chaim in that way. That might have been one of the things you stressed in your article. I'll say that, uh, uh, again, I, mentioning you and Rav Chaim Kanievsky in the same breath might have been somewhat of a joke in my sometimes oh, when, I, when, I, when I said it, but I think you do share uh, a, an element of his commitment that you you set yourself to a to a certain tochnit a ketzev, and despite other things that pile up in your life, uh, you try to remain true to that. And that's something that I think Rav Chaim's that value is something that is unfortunately sometimes lost and almost completely lost. Uh, from what we see. So Ashrecha for championing that and continuing to walk in his derech. Boy, I I buttered you up great for today. I don't think I <laughs> I think it was uh, it's a good advice if you be before us to be machnia yourself a little bit. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, oh, conflating yourself with God is always great. I machnia myself to God and to you. Um Let's talk. When we talk about Rechaim, uh I can't help but think, and I've been actually applauded by many for this, uh, for my standing up to uh, Nathan Swiftkin for all his insidious snipes and attacks on Rechaim. And uh, again, Ebrocht Kapora in my in my mind, uh, he's he's going to need a lot of uh, tshuva uh, in the way he was mezalzel bekvayd Rechaim. And, uh, you know, he's an interesting character. His his blog, Rationalist Judaism, uh, he does a great job dancing around and making points, sometimes in a very cogent fashion. But you shared with me something which I now have a uh, a big ke- connection to as my family, my son, as we talked about, um, I think it was uh, last week or two weeks ago, is living in, in Ramat Beit Shemesh. It sounds like Ramat Beit Shemesh, as he says, is on fire because of... Um, the uh, uproar about a uh, a women's marathon that was scheduled in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Um, Haredi women who want to be healthy and want to run and maybe perhaps are running for tzedakah and other reasons, they wanted to have to be able to do this in a tzniyastika fashion, I guess, on roads and uh, streets uh, that would not be necessarily frequented by men in a way that they could feel good and about their physical fitness and their exercise and their accomplishments. And it seems like uh, a Rabbi Kornfeld, who is a rov of one of the kihilas there, came out with a very strong uh, pashkevili uh, against it and saying how this is really uh, a terrible thing and how we have to be very nizar on allowing such things to happen because they are clearly not uh, what Tznius is about. 
even if you uh, shape it as a very tsnua dika uh, type of performance uh, that is shielded from the eyes of men, the fact that it's so public, the fact that it's so well known, the fact that it's done in a, in a way that others can, could possibly see or know about it, and even the fact that it's publicized in such a way as already uh, pirates the getter of snus, and he. Ruff Kornfeld, I didn't read it in depth, but he evokes all the great Gedolius role who tried to stand in the breach of anything that sounded like it was like an assimilated uh, type of event where it was we were nuchmaching the Goyim in this way, and it was condemned uh, very strongly. Uh, what's interesting in the article you sent me is that Slifkin does not pummel Kornfeld for his attack on that sneeze. Uh, Slifkin believes that Sneeze does have a little bit of a different scale, depending on which brand, I guess, of from Yiddishkeit you're from. And there are different factors that are Nogeya in terms, I guess, Rav Dessel would call it uh, the Nukudas Hat Sneus. It depends on where you come from and where you start from. So maybe there's certain things which for certain people is are way beyond and certain people is considered pressed and you can't really control that because it's based on those type of envi- those, those type of environment that we're referring to. Still, uh, Swiftkin decides to have his cake and eat it too. He doesn't, he says, I'm not going to condemn Kornfeld for calling it non-sneistic. In fact, he could even see how it could be considered non-sneistic to have such a thing. He just believes Kornfeld uh, has picked his battles in a very, uh, a very crooked way, uh, that this is a place where he stands up and talks about things, and yet he allows the zealous extremism of people, not necessarily in his shul, but other extremists, he lets them get away with things in Beit Shemesh that sullies the whole mahus of Haredi Yiddishkeit by their aggressiveness and um, and again, it's a, to me, it's a little bit of a typical Swiftkin uh, attack, um, he's sort of like slippery and wanting to stay somewhere in the middle, uh, but getting his lumps in uh, against the Haredi leadership there. Uh, would you say that's a good summary? Do you have anything to add about I think, it? No, I think it's a very good summary. Um, I, I'm not sure what he wants Rabbi Kornfeld to do exactly. Rabbi Kornfeld is, uh, even though he's American by birth and he's a, a very good friend of mine, but uh, he is um, by, he's become, he's, he married Rabbi Aaron Feldman's daughter. And uh, that is, um, Ron Feldman is a tremendous kanoi. And I assume that kanoi also is uh, something which, when you join the family, you, you uh, buy into. And uh, the um, and he's bought, therefore, into uh, the Haredi Israeli um, mentality, lock, stock, and barrel. So, what I'm not sure what Slipkin wants from him. This is his niche, this is his place in the world. Paul Yashav Evolso, you know. That I, so I might not be happy with positions he takes relative to where I would want to see him take positions, but that's that's his prerogative. I'm not sure exactly what we're supposed to do about it. Look, you know, you, you, the Rashba already wrote a chuva to a young Talmud who wanted to change things in this community in Spain where he had where he arrived, and the Rashba talked to him about how the battles, and it's a very modern look. If you go full throttle against what you're seeing now, uh, you won't be successful later. You'll expend all your energy here. And you have to have that big picture in mind. And you have to know when to speak out, when not to speak out. And you have to have that type of understanding. Swiftkin has, has, has excised himself out of anything Haredi 
So perhaps he doesn't know what sort of challenges Kornfeld has in terms of speaking out against these hooligans and what he gains from it, as opposed to statements like this one, which, again, coming from, as you say, from the Ravarn Feldman school and understanding, maybe Taka makes sense. Look, okay, right? You know, maybe this is considered uh, against the ruach of what Ramat Beit Shemesh or Beit Shemesh is trying to do, the idea that we need a women's, a women's run. It does sound a little bit strange. Again, of course, you know, the, 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 the women of our era are different than the women uh, who probably are taking part in the run primarily. But that, as you say, that's Kornfeld's reading, uh, you know, reading the tea leaves and understanding. I would add something. I would add that um, it's, it's very similar in some sense to the what's going on in America with Aguda. Sort of, of course. Yeah. So the, really, the Aguda is... The good or term is they're fighting a battle which is not their battle. They're fighting the battle for Hasidic schools which have no limitation. And in fact, by lumping themselves together with the Hasidic schools, they're probably not doing themselves any favors. But that is this is a certain mahalach in a certain in a, in a broad sector of Haredi Judaism where you want to be connected to those to the right of you. And even though you don't lozu darkenu. Nevertheless, you find you want you're 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 in sympathy with them in some way, shape, or form, and certainly when they uh, you know we have to circle the wagons, you're circling the wagons encompasses their approach as well. Yes, so uh, especially the great numbers, as my friend Rabbi Puka pointed out in a podcast on this platform called Emeritus Rex, he believed it had to do with the great numbers of of Haredi uh, Jews that see them make up. Aguda did not want to alienate themselves from that great number um, because of how strongly they represent, you know, just in, in, in pure aggregate amount of how many from people there are. They didn't want to, uh, so that might've been part of the argument. Uh, I thought it maybe had to do more with the fact that, you know, if they're coming for you now, look what they're going to come for us later. There's going to be other things that they can impose into yeah, our Curriculum. Was who was a famous pastor? Yeah, who said now they're coming for me? Yes, I, when I yeah, said yeah. silent. Yes, but sort of something similar to that—that that Holocaust uh, metaphor. That okay, you're right. These schools have no limit at all. They don't teach science. They don't teach. Okay, but what about you're not teaching uh, inclusivity? You're not teaching gender neutrality. You're not teaching uh, race. The fact that we're all inherently racist and Judaism is a racist religion. All the things that in five or seven years or maybe tomorrow might be considered essential to being a good human being. And how could there be an institution that doesn't do that? So I think Aguda, I understand what Aguda is trying to do. Uh, uh, push, you know, but, but again, in the world of, of that's what Slifkin is, is so naive about. People's public pronouncements are not the sole uh, barometer of their mindset and who they are. If if he would except with except with the two of us, <laughs> our public pronouncements are meaningless. Nobody even they within the fold. He might have been privy to that type of understanding of which battle we fight, which battle we don't. He could have even made himself Cornfeld. He could have been a leader. Again, he has he has the the speaking skills. He has the writing skills. Uh, again, I, I don't want to say his name, but a, a good friend of mine who I also work with together in the podcast world, people can guess who it is, said to me that when when all the haramim came out against Slifkin's work, he said, you better be careful here because we are going to unleash an enemy uh, if we continue it this way. 
And even though whatever, whether their points were valid or not, the result, of course, turned into exactly that, that Slifkin becomes much more than a gadfly, but actually a voice, uh, an attack voice, uh, to the point that many people even question the validity of Maletzes, Gedalia's role, or anything. Again, we joke about what we think are their weaknesses, but we are, unlike Slifkin, I think both of us, uh, stand up, becovered, learn Amelus, their words, uh, understand their accomplishments and their achievements. And again, it, it really, to me, is a tragedy. Uh, listen, Swiftkin isn't going to change because of what I'm saying, but you know, uh, the one civil conversation I did have with them many years ago, I sort of intimated that, how, how, how much of a loss it was when I did speak with him uh, about it, because again, he is very impressive. But again, he, he, you know, his blog, look, you have to teach me about what the heck blogs are about anyway. It isn't exactly a safer. It isn't exactly supposed to be my magnum opus. It's like it's a public diary. I understand, which to me is very strange. As Rav Shach said, you know, when he when he when he, he criticized the fear droshes when it was translated into Hebrew, he says, you know, who talked like the Gedolei Israel talk like this? They talk about what they were going through. Again, you want to speak Torah, speak Torah. You want to write a Mechtet Chizuk, that's way. This whole idea of the of 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 giving us such a a, a a insight into your inner life, into your struggle, and then using that as a way to sort of varf your Mara Mekoymas, uh and with your hyperlinks, I don't get it. Uh, and again, that's why my I don't have a blog, and my Facebook page is really very, very barren. And anything I do there is 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 really <laughs> my my kids always find it. Why don't you put all your stuff up, uh, translate all your shiurim, uh, you know, put things out there? I don't get it. Um, and 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 I believe it's unfortunate that that's become the lingua franca of our world. That that's where you're going to look to. You're going to look to the blog. You're going to look to the Twitter. You're going to look to there, as opposed to, of course, Rabbi Yosef Gavriel, besides your blog, of course, you have your Sfarim, which you are uh, especially, exceptionally proud of and deservedly so. And, um, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, we we promised that we're going to talk about Yom Adin. I mean, after we, you know, after we summarily dismissed so many and patted ourselves on the back, uh, we, so we have to be machni ourselves, and you brought to my attention a, a letter that was penned by the Lubavitcher Rebbe not long after the Petira of his shver. Uh, I, I was distressed by this. I was teaching in, uh, in school this week, uh, beginning of the year. We talk about uh, I start for, usually from the year eighteen forty, the Nifzku Shari Bina, and uh, even though it's not exactly the same, it's a little bit off the time periods, but I talk about Hasidus, Musa, and turned their Eretz. Uh, things which were uh, rolling around the world at the mo- at that time, and uh, while well, I was l- looking, you know, to see some new finding some new material, Muslim uh, and so I came across this letter about from Lubavitcher Rebbe, which was sent um, on the Menach- four Menachem of five seven eleven. So um, I think that's very sh- shortly after he became Rebbe, um, maybe a few months. So he said that uh, the teachings of Musar and teachings of Hasidus. This is the part which distressed me. In general, the approach of Musar emphasizes the focus on and contemplation of the shortcomings of a person's undesirable emotional qualities and adverse concerns and how to correct them. Consequently, if he will be successful in actually 
correcting these undesirable qualities, it will be good. Nevertheless, in what did he spend his time? In thoughts about contemplation of matters that are bad, or at least not good. In contrast, the teachings of Hasidus place emphasis on gazing on the glory of the king. At least contemplation of man, is given the name Adam because he resembles one above, in the context of the love of one's fellow Jew. In such a situation, even if one does not carry out the conclusion that it's the natural consequence of his contemplation, in other words, he's not successful in correcting his conduct in actual practice, he has nevertheless spent his time fulfilling the mitzvah, know the God of your father, in other words, in contemplating goodness and the quality flies in the face of what Rabbi Ram Elia Kaplan wrote in his critique of, Musur, uh, of Hasidus, and it is precisely his critique that uh, in Hasidus, one is encouraged to delude oneself to a certain extent, to think good thought, uh, happy good thoughts and holy thoughts and consider oneself to be holy and, and happy, even if one is not, because eventually maybe you'll get there. And this is kind of like, in my when I read this, it reminded me very much of Snoopy, right? This is like, Snoopy is always happy, always dancing, never gets sad about anything. And when he says anything, he just keeps dances away. And uh, 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 Charlie Brown, who come of that as the Mishnah, obviously is the Baal Musar, is always depressed and always uh, right. contemplating and always self-doubting. But in reality, like Ram Eliezer writes, there's a concept of Shivi before he, what he way he writes it before Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tomit, there has to be Shivisi Atzmi Lenegdi Tomit. Before you look at a Koshvarachu, you have to examine yourself. And I think that that's licked in the Pasuk of Sur Me Rabba Asetov. It doesn't say Asetov, right? And, every, and then Mimele will be Sar Me or the Rag will disappear. It says Sur Me Rabba Asetov. So, so what bothers you is the Chabadskers seems to dismiss the depth of what Musra could be. He takes a yes, and he advocates he advocates putting band aids on tumors. Okay, now I, again, I I'm familiar with a lot of Hasidic ideas. It didn't strike me as so novel. I have heard often. I don't think it's novel. I just I, I, you're right. When it thinks about it, it's the total just rational conclusion. Okay, so, but let's be honest. Whenever you have uh, someone like Chabadsker, who was a, a great uh, propagandizer for Chassidus, and in a way he was probably the greatest propagandizer for Chassidus in the 20th century uh, in terms of articulating it in a way that it, 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 it got currency throughout the world of what Chassidus means, the Derek of the Baal Shem Tov. Um, many times when that occurs, there's always going to be a blunting of the subtleties of the other that you're trying to uh, fight against. Uh, it, it can't always be so measured as Rav Schwab did, let's say, in Elu to Elu and other places. It usually is a pretty much of a dismissive uh, way because what you're trying to do is get adherence. In this case, it's a personal letter. So we don't really know what, as I mentioned before, when I talked about the Rashba's Chuba and about that specific community, we don't know exactly what what the Rebbe was writing to. But you're right. The fact that these personal letters now become public policy and a way to extol this is what we believe in, when those letters go into the public sphere, they do represent what Chabad is trying to sort of like uh, say, come to us instead of Musr. Now, that being said... By the way, I want to mention my great uncle, Rabbi Chodakov, 
was Lavish Rebbe's personal secretary for many years. I met him, I think, once or twice. And he was, before he was, uh, uh, he had a fascinating life. I don't know about the biography that had been written. Before he was, was Rebbe's secretary, he was uh, Gaguda's representative in the parliament in, in, in uh, Lithuania. And he was also the head of the Toim Der school in Kovna. And he, before, and he learned in Nevada. And he told me, when I came to meet him, he said, he said learn Musa. Make sure to learn Musa. So I think if it was such a, uh, a tremendous uh, contradiction between Musa and Hasidus, which is intrinsic and inevitable, he would not have told me to learn Musa. I think he felt that Hasidus and Musa can go together. Right. Well, again, he knew you. He knew the type of mind and sharpness that you have. I think the Rebbe is right, though. That there is sometimes, and, and I have, I have uh, come across these people, and so have you, who don't have the Avram Elia Kaplan version of Musser. They don't have the, the Ritzel Petterberger big picture of Limanat Tayrim Musser. It's about really getting a, a certain sense of depression, or if not depression like Charlie Brown, but wallowing like Charlie Brown in their Avedis and thinking about them and crying over them. In many ways, being mitzumtzum in their little self and sometimes projecting that on others. And we find this sometimes when they, the type of musr and teichocha they give others is very much a byproduct of that little world of themselves. So there are people who do get caught up and you can see, even though they're saying words of Shemineste, like the the brochas of Malchios, the, the, the brochas of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur that have to do with the godless of, 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 the, of human beings and the greatness of the Rabbani Shalom and what his plans are for the world, the person is still stuck in trying to figure out why he's over on his stakus, why he's still not being shamer his lotion, why he still uh, is not making brochas pekavona and other things like that, where he's very much self-centered. So it is possible Definitely. And it's not that hard, considering the mental tendencies of people who are upset, to become very self-involved and using Musser. Dr. Tursky has already done a number on what the aspects of peanuts are. I haven't read his work either because I didn't need to, because I understood in my own neshama what the Yusoid of peanuts was. But I, but, I, but I will tell you, I will tell you that... You want to speak about it a little bit? It would be fascinating, I'm sure. Okay, but what, what I will tell you is, again, Snoopy is the id. Snoopy is the unbridled id of possibilities and dimyon. In fact, the, the imagery that Schultz came up with of Charlie and Snoopy hugging each other and being connected as different as they are, right? And even as, you know, Charlie is sort of saying, oh, you know, the, he doesn't want to be in the doghouse. He wants my house. He wants to be on my couch. Um, and I'm giving him his supper. I'm feeding him. I'm taking care of him. At the end of the day, Snoopy doesn't live with Linus. He doesn't live with with uh, with Lucy or Schroeder, who's sort of similar in a way in terms of his brilliance and creativity. That combination of that, of that id and that self-examination that Charlie Brown has is actually a very beautiful thing if you could put it together. Obviously, Linus is the ultra-spiritualist. Linus is the one who speaks about the godless Abayre. He's the one who speaks about what God could be. Obviously, Charlie Schultz was a Christian, and although he, he appreciated Judaism, Linus has a very much of a Christological perspective. Yeah, sure. But part of it can be, I think, adapted to us, which is you know looking at the big picture, seeing what the world is about. 
But Linus is also with his insecurities. Linus has got his, his blanket and other things that don't, don't allow him to become the mature spiritual human being and leader uh, that he could be. You know, he only appeals uh, to, to the very unsubtle like people like Sally, who is sort of like, you know, going with whatever fad is ready. You know, uh, you know, Sally would be an avid reader of the blogs and every day yeah. becomes something different. Um, yeah. right. but, but my point is that without getting into, you know, all the, the Will folks, which is what Schultz wanted to call them, uh, you know, as, as prime examples, I, I think the Rebbe has a point and I've seen it. I've seen people who, um, and, and you think about, did you think about the Rabbeinu Shalom today? You know, and you walked around Rosh Hashanah, uh, not like the tour says, based on the Medrashim of Besimcha and Bitochon. Uh, they, they, they walked around hunched over and, 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 and in a way, not understanding what godless uh, the Bria is, coronation of the of the Bayre Eilam. This is true. Rabbi Ramelia's main essay is about that. I've learned that. You're correct. Yeah, and, and but 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 it's very easy not to see the king when you're checking out. Do I do I have the suit that's ready for the coronation? Look at this spot. Look at this. Am I really ready? I can't even stare at the melech because all the averus I've done with my eyes don't allow me to stare at his countenance. So Chassidus basically takes this. That's the Rav's, That's the Rav's marshal about Moshiach coming, and there's the Moshiach who comes to start to Velazhin, so the great tomb on the street, and. He's going to go clear his frock to do the cabal for the Mashiach. And then he notices there's no button, so there's a missing a button. So he says to Rebbiton, What happened? I didn't, why didn't you sew on the button? And she said, I didn't get around to it. And this, that's how the story peters out. <laughs> so, yes, the focus on the button. And again, there's, there's, there's nothing easier than to get caught up in yourself. Uh, since those peripherals, the way you're describing them, are all part of. The familiar of your life, those are a much easier avenue to step into than to start thinking about what does it mean to be the Bashefer of the Velt and the Tachlas Abriya. And that's, I think, part of what the Rebbe's letter is trying to say. Now, in other words, you could say, well, you, 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 in a way, blackballed what Musr is about and you dismissed it. I, I think for many people, that was their Musr. Uh, it, 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 what's interesting is 70 years later, considering how easy it is our life has become and how uh, how everything is able to come to us, as I said, with such ease and familiarity, I don't see many of those people that I saw in my youth walking around in, in black and Nevardic-like and, and, and hating no. themselves. Um, I think we, see this has sort of won the battle in a way. Um, and yeah. part of it, part of it, I think, has to do with with the popularity, not of the Chabadsker so much, although he clearly has his inroads in many, many places. Uh, Lubavitch Sidis does, but I would say even when someone like Rogedal Yishor, who uh, you know, Hasidic mentality, writes Or Gedal Yohu, um, we, we've talked on this program about Rav before, but even if you take a look at the Sivasholim, I think a lot of the Hasidic mindset has become staple in the Olam Yeshivas as well. So the line of demarcation is not as uh, distinct as it was 70 years ago. Uh, I think there's, I, I think I think today's Machanachim, I mean, we would like to be them if we could be, but I think today's Machanachim, our brethren in, who are heads of Yeshivas, know that the fire and brimstone, Musar Derech, doesn't work. Uh, and, and their Talmidim 
are resistant, not just not, not because they are consciously combative, but rather because they're not used to this. They, they didn't live the type of hard scrabble life where they had to do this type of cheshpan on Efesh. Um, their attention spans are weak. So if you can get them to think about Nefloyus Habayra, you can get them with that feel-good imagery, that idea of the great Abbas Hashem. And I like what I like what the Rebbe says. The Rebbe says that even if you don't fulfill what the Rambam says, which is knowing you're a Bir Yishvela, and then realize how much of a Balchisarin you are, and then work to complete and total fealty and dedication, even if that doesn't happen, you still did the first part, which was you were misbeinen and God was abayre, and that itself is already a, 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 the, the beginning of the mitzvah of Hashem and and and, and Yidiyas Hashem. Whereas in Musr, you might end up just basically, you know, true, you might fix a number of uh, cracks in, in what you're doing, but you 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 haven't really stepped into Avas Hashem really, and that's and, and again part of it is because you can't love yourself. And, and for other reasons. So again, I, I I happen to think the letter is a fine way, uh, and you can tell you know people can find it online easily, a way to get ready for for Yoimadin in a proper way, um, as we said. So I think that's about it, my friends. Uh, we will have a special, I guess a we will have a special Rosh uh, Hashanah, <laughs> our special Rosh Hashanah message uh, uh, year end. Uh, and hopefully, thank everybody. People have a good, be a good. Okay. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.